Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, Aura, AG1, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning into the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. The Chargers seemingly have finalized their coaching staff under head coach Jim Harbaugh just released the uh, the press release uh, earlier today. So obviously we've talked about this bits and pieces over the last few weeks as the coaching hires have started to trickle in. As of today, it looks like everything is fully ramped up and Jim Harbaugh officially has his coaching staff put together. So we want to obviously go through these uh, one by one, talk about them, uh, bring a little bit of more insight just as far as our own perspective on how we believe that, that it's going to change on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball, what that's going to mean for certain players, obviously, for improvement. But before we kick that off, Dan Wolgenstein, obviously, sir, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's a big day for Chargers fans, for folks who are concerned about what this staff is going to look like. Chargers fans have gotten uh, seemingly... What is their 2024 Chargers coaching staff from coordinators to position coaches to assistants? A whole lot of guys here, and we're up to about 20 now on this staff. And a couple names that were just released today that we'll get through. But like Jake said, the goal today is kind of discuss this staff as a whole. Uh, maybe some key themes that we found, some kind of connecting points of the staff to some of the players and stuff in the NFL or on the current staff as well. But Jake, I think overall what we're seeing is Jim Harbaugh, in my opinion, talked about previously wanting to build an all-star staff that is worthy of coaching guys like Justin Herbert and Derwin James. And in my opinion, this staff has a ton of experience. Some may argue maybe too much experience and not enough young guys, but also has some youth, some up-and-coming guys, proven success, winners, and creativity. So, in my opinion, this is a nice blend, and it's a big staff. This bench is large, and you think about previously, Jim Harbaugh building staffs that keep getting plucked. That's why you build one this large. So when guys do get plucked because of their success, next man up mentality. So I'm doing good. I'm excited for this one. We got some visuals here to share uh, to kind of go through each of these categories. But uh, Jake, what's your kind of feeling? How are you feeling about this? How are you feeling without this? <laughs> uh, you know, I said it on the live stream last night when we were talking about some of the other names that had come over, come through over the last week that you and I didn't get a chance to talk about at the time. And I felt in certain respects of it, specifically with two of the head coaches, um, you know, being former players is now part of this staff. I felt it was a little bit reminiscent of what Dan Campbell was putting together with the Detroit Lions in terms of how many guys with playing experience that he was bringing into that. So it's not as much as what it was going on in Detroit, but now you kind of infuse that with former players. And then we're talking about guys who have had years and years and years of coaching experience, not to mention that you have a handful that all have previous ties, whether it was with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan or obviously now former ties uh, to Baltimore with the front office and working together. So all of this is kind of like just a hive mind of, of connections, like just, you know, choose your own adventure and you, eventually you'll find out how these guys are connected with yeah. one another. But in terms of Jim Harbaugh and 
the autonomy, I guess, to put his staff together to go out and get his guys to build the team that he wanted to build. I feel like the Chargers just stepped aside, get the, got the hell out of the way, and, and let this whole situation play out. And I think that the staff that Jim Hortiz, or excuse me, Joe Hortiz and Jim Harbaugh have put together is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, so we'll go through this. Uh, but right off the top, we're going to go through kind of the overview of all of these coaching staff hires. And again, we'll go through the names real quick, then we'll kind of get to them. But here is your 2024 Chargers staff. You got Jim Harbaugh, obviously, Ryan Ficken, Jesse Minter, Greg Roman, and Andy Bischoff. Those are all your coordinators. Navarro Bowman, Marcus Brady, Steve Klingsdale, Shane Day, Mike Devlin, Mike Elston, Chris Gould. I'm going fast here. Sanjay Lal, Rick Minter, Robert Muschamp, Chris O'Leary, Dylan Roney, Mark Tressman, Nick Hardwick. Whew. A lot of names here. And so as we go through these, we'll kind of, we kind of broke them out by category of coach. So first up is going to be kind of underneath Jim Harbaugh. We've got the coordinators specifically. But before we get into all that, Obviously, Dan, we need to pay the bills. Want to tell you guys all about the easiest way to get into the action for any sport of your choosing. It's Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em entry. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code UNLEASH and get your first deposit doubled up by up to $500 by Underdog. Tell them Chargers Unleashed sent you. So, with that being said, Jake, coordinators for your Los Angeles Chargers. Offense, Greg Roman. Passing game coordinator, Marcus Brady. Run game coordinator, Andy Bischoff. And he's also the tight ends coach, by the way. On the defensive side, you've got the one and only Jesse Mincher, which I am so pumped. And I'm so excited that he's, like, legit their guy now. And then hometown hero himself, Ryan Ficken. Now, we've talked to nauseam about Ro Greg Roman and some of his... Um, positives and negatives, quote-unquote negatives. I think what we're going to get to here is with some of the other staffs underneath him, passing game coordinators, position coaches that have experience with quarterbacks, wide receivers, and also with coordinator positions on their own right, Greg Roman seems to have a... The offense, in my opinion, kind of has like a coordinator-by-committee feel. And you know Greg Roman's at the top, but there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen that are seemingly there to make to ensure that the offense goes well passing game coordinator marcus brady talked about run game coordinator going along with greg roman with his run prowess and then jake let's talk about defense and special teams jesse minter ryan ficken the chargers hit it out of the park <laughs> to, to retain ficken bring in minter yeah i guess i i'll actually start with ryan ficken here dan because this was the one that we all thought was the one that you had to absolutely keep. And when we talked to Popper about this a few weeks back, the way that it started looking was was like, is this entire staff going to be torn down to the to the foundation and you're going to build it back up? I mean, Ryan Ficken is one of three, one of three holdovers from the previous staff. So you could see how much turnover has taken place here over these last several weeks. But Ryan Ficken obviously was at the top in terms of coordinators that you wanted to keep. And his work showed for it, Dan. 
His work absolutely showed for it in terms of what he did to this special teams unit, how he was able to improve it. Uh, he was requested for a cute couple of interviews by other teams. The Chargers blocked that. They said there is no way that we are going to allow him to get out of the building. And this is what happens when your work shows for it. And I, if myself, Dan, and I'm sure Chargers fans everywhere were so happy to see that Jim Harbaugh saw that the same way. There was some speculation that Jay Harbaugh could come in and, you know, be the new special teams coach, and that didn't end up happening. Jay Harbaugh now over in Seattle. <laughs> but uh, from that standpoint, keeping Ryan uh, Ryan Ficken was obviously key. Jesse Minter coming over, that was obviously always the expectation that he was going to follow Jim Harbaugh. But in terms of what it means for the personnel in this defense, now again, a month from now, two months from now, this defense is obviously going to look very different in terms of personnel. But I think when you look at guys that you start with to say, okay, who's who's the biggest impact that Jesse Minter is is going to have an effect on? You have to start with Derwin James. If you go back and you look at how Michigan, um, and we'll even t- and we'll even bring Steve Klinkscale into this conversation as well a little bit later. But when you look at how they deploy their secondary and the emphasis on that, and I still believe that the Chargers have work to do in that secondary in terms of getting other playmakers back there to complement Derwin James. But in terms of how they run that secondary unit. Jesse Munter is going to love to have a chess piece like Derwin James, and I'm sure that Derwin James is going to be thrilled to be in a defense that is going to look like this and how they are going to just be flying around the football in this circumstance. Now, Andy Bischoff, it's interesting, Dan, you know, you talk about like the ties of coaches with previous coaches. Obviously, Andy Bischoff, he had some time with uh, the Baltimore Ravens, between 2015, 2020. Who did uh, it on this, on this coach? Right, staff, exactly. So he's already <laughs> familiar with Greg Roman when Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator over there. And, uh, you know, he was coaching the tight ends over his final four years there, um, which was interesting considering that Greg Roman was coaching the tight ends for two years prior to him becoming the offensive coordinator. Again, this is all just like bizarrely, con- you know, just connected in a weird, weird way. Um uh, but it, just in terms of, again, familiarity here. So he's coming in as uh, the running game coordinator slash tight ends coach in this circumstance. Obviously, the Chargers need a lot of work in both of those departments for what's going to be have to take place. Obviously, the run game, we've talked about it ad nauseum in terms of what needs to be done in that circumstance. You pair that, obviously, with what Greg Roman has previously had in terms of running offenses when you look at his stints in San Francisco, when you look at what he did in Baltimore, and obviously the emphasis that Jim Harbaugh was talking about during his opening press conference, they want to run the ball. They want to be physical. They want to own the line of scrimmage. So Andy Bischoff and Greg Roman collectively together are going to have a big part in moving that forward. Yeah, and I'll touch on Jesse Minter again. I think this was the biggest hire of the entire coaching staff, aside from Jim Harbaugh, in my opinion. And you think about what Jesse Minter did in the NFL with the Ravens. It was there for four years. Uh, the year he was a DB's coach for the Ravens, they <laughs> ranked third in yards per pass attempt allowed and seventh in defensive passer rating allowed. Again, DB specific. He then goes to Michigan, and Jake, listen to these numbers. This past year, he's been, and they've had, they've had top five defenses the last three years, but this past year, Jesse Minter's defense, first in points allowed, first in yards allowed per game, first in turnover differential. He was second in passing yards allowed per game, third in takeaways, and fourth in Renzo defense. That's the Chargers 
defensive coordinator. And this isn't a one-trick pony. This isn't a one-year-and-out. He's done this for at least three years where he's had top five defenses, and he has experience both in the NFL and in college and with Jim Harbaugh and with the Ravens and with Joe Hortiz. Again, here we go. Just <laughs> whatever connections you want to say, you're going to follow the, the you know, you're going to go down the rabbit hole and you're going to find all of these connections. And I think when it specifically as it relates to the top three, when you think of Jim Harbaugh, Greg Roman, and Jesse Minter, all three of them are familiar with Joe Hortiz. So again, here we go. This collaboration, communication. You think when they get in the draft room that they aren't going to be on the same page for certain guys that they want to target for their respective, uh, you know, offensive or defensive groups. This this is this is a great collaboration between your top three coordinators, essentially, uh, you know, side for Ryan Fitkin and your GM. Yep. So moving on to the position coaches for the offense specifically. We talked about Andy Bischoff already as a run game coordinator. He's also managing the fort for tight ends. Friend of the family, friend of the show, Shane Day joins the staff again as the quarterback's coach. Justin Herbert excited. Offensive line coach Mike Devlin, assistant offensive line, the one and only Nick Hardwick. I think that, I think and, that's who you meant to say was friend of the show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, friend of, we, friend of Chargers we, fans and Shane Day. There yes, we go. yes, exactly. And wide receiver coach Sanjay Lal. Uh, Jake, first impressions of the position coaches for the offense specifically. I mean, Mike Devlin again. Here we go. Another. <laughs> Another connection from from the Baltimore Baltimore tree that you end up bringing over in this circumstance. And you fish uh, off. Six uh, years yes, before. again, you know, here we go. In terms of the offensive line, yes, you know that that position, especially on the offense, just as much as the uh, the running game. This offense needs a lot of work. I think you can collectively say, in terms of what we were expecting from Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer, given how they played respectfully in their rookie seasons. Them both switching, you know, Zion switching to the left side, Jamari coming over from the left tackle the year before, now switching over to the right guard position. We figured that, you know, having those years under their belt, that they would be able to transition better and that that would seemingly uh, be seamless and they would be able to improve with the likes of Rashawn Slater to Zion's left. And, you know, you had Corey Lindsay there in the middle. Unfortunately, that didn't end up lasting long due to his health concerns. But just in general, this offensive line, needs a lot of work. And again, when you're talking about an offensive line that as a head coach, you have this vision that you want to be physical, that you want to run the football. And I know that a lot of people say, it's like, okay, yeah, protect Justin Herbert. When you can run the ball, that's essentially the secondary way of protecting your quarterback because you're going to get defensive linemen and defensive backs to back off because when you can run the ball, you're not going to see so many people. Dan mentioned this last night on the live show. You are not going to see so many blitzes coming at Justin Herbert. Yes, you obviously need to protect and create time for Justin Herbert, but running the football changes the entire dynamic of what you can do opening up the playbook offensively. So Mike Devlin is going to have a big responsibility in that. And how can you knock the... (laughs) The Nick Hardwick signing, like that, just puts you over the moon because that one just touches right here for anybody. It, it, you know, during the time of the Chargers in San Diego or even LA, now everybody knows who Nick Hardwick is. Everybody knows what he was to that team during that era, and especially now, Dan, just considering, you know, he's been apparently he's been wanting to get into coaching for some time, and in a year where the Chargers do not have a center. 
whoever it is that ends up filling that question mark on the roster, who would you rather have to learn from than the best? And as like an outside the box type of a hire, this is one of the ones you could say is the outliers where there is no connection previously. At least to the Ravens. (laughs) This was just such a great surprise to say, hey, a former San Diego Charger is coming in to now be the assistant offensive lineman for the Los Angeles Chargers. It was just a, you know, holy homecoming Batman. That was, I think, a great signing. And I and when you take a look at this type of a this type of a coaching hire along with the Navarro Bowman, you're getting former players in here now that are making these next strides to the to the coaching ranks. I think just for Hardwick in this particular position and the timing of which it couldn't have it couldn't have lined up any better. Perennial Pro Bowler in Nark Hardwick, All Pro, I believe. One of the best Chargers there have been in the past two decades. Paired with Mike Devlin as the offensive line coach. And again, we're talking Mike Devlin, who has worked with guys like Tyler Linderbaum. He's got guys like Nick Mangold, Larry Tunzel. Like he's had guys who have been so good, who have been so good. Kevin Zietler. Has, was, was a pro bowler this year. So he brings a ton of success. And when you have guys who have coached studs and who has been a stud, that's a recipe for success. And Jake, I'm so glad you touched on that. When do you need a center badly? If you can bring in somebody who has done it at the highest level to help mentor, coach, and teach, that's a big win for me. That's a huge win. And I love that you brought that up because I don't think enough people are talking about the importance of that. And I, now, again, Sanjay Lal also has coached some studs, man. He's coached DK Metcalf. He's coached Tyler Lockett. He's also had some experience on the offensive side as a coordinator. The team seemingly has gone through kind of this influx of bringing in coaches that have coached studs. This guy's also coached Amari Cooper. He's coached T.Y. Hilton. He's done this for years. I think they said he had 17 years of NFL coaching experience. He was the offensive, I think he was the offensive coordinator. Or sorry, passing game coordinator for the Seahawks this past season. Again, we talked about Greg Roman having kind of a, a lot of cooks in the kitchen for that passing game. Sanjay Law, has experience as a passing game coordinator, as does their passing game coordinator, to help with Greg Roman's offense. Yeah, we can't. Anything else on this? Yeah, I was just going to say, you can't uh, move off of this slide without talking about Shane Day. I, I think in a year of offensive coordinator turnover, again, for Justin Herbert, you know, going from the Joe Lombardis to the Kellen Moores to, you know, once upon a time, what you had, during your rookie season, it was just, here we go again, constant turnover. Same thing that it, as it was during his college career in Oregon. Shane Day is a familiar face to Justin Herbert and arguably helped him have his best season of his career. Thrown over 5,000 yards that year, 38 touchdowns that he threw. Um, and when you look at Shane Day, just look at, I mean, hey, you want something recent? Look at what he was able to do last year in assisting C.J. Stroud to the heights that he was able to reach. This is a guy who, obviously, Justin Herbert, C.J. Stroud, he ended up helping 
Jimmy Garoppolo during the highest point of his career when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. So you talk about someone who can take quarterbacks to the next level, whether it's a first-year guy, somebody he's familiar with, or a seasoned veteran to the Super Bowl, Shane Day has proven that he can do that. And I know a lot of people were preferring Pep Hamilton, and I, I totally understand that just because there was some previously for, previous familiarity there. Um and obviously what he was able to help Justin do during his rookie season. But I think Shane Day is is a phenomenal tie into this. Again, gives Justin Herbert some familiarity. I think it's going to make this transition be a little bit easier. And I think from this, and this is also, I think, from the standpoint of anybody who wants to say that Greg Roman is going to turn Justin Herbert into check down, you know, this check down machine. I just don't see that happening, especially with what you look at what Shane Day has done on the res on his resume. And you just take what it, what he helped to do last year with CJ Stroud. I, I think this is I think that that is a great just cherry on top for this offense of uh, you know positional coaches here that we have for the offense. Man, Shane Day, in my opinion, is going to be rising the coaching ranks quickly because of the resume he has solely on the three quarterbacks you mentioned. Garoppolo, Stroud, Herbert. And look at these numbers. You mentioned some of them, Jake. Remember, so back with Herbert in 2021, Justin Herbert was a pro bowler and set single-season franchise records in completions, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and 300-plus yard passing games. And then the, he goes to Houston, and no big deal, C.J. Stroud, you saw him balling, was rookie of the year, over 4,000 yards as a rookie, 23 touchdowns, and a playoff win. Like, that by itself, if you're an offense, if you're a head coach with another team, another franchise, bringing in a rookie head coach, who would be the guy that you'd want to lead that ship for the quarterbacks? He's going to get a promotion. I promise you. I don't know if it's going to be with the Chargers, but watch Shane Day in the coming years and see what he does. So that's the offensive position coaches. Again, Andy Bischoff with the tight ends group and run game coordinator ties to Baltimore. Shane Day ties to Justin Herbert. Mike Devlin ties to Baltimore. Offensive lineman assistant coach Nick Hardwick obviously ties to the Chargers. And Sanjay Lal has experience and has coached studs at wide receivers. So in my opinion there, Check, 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 check. Again, we don't know. Again, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke, but so far, I can't... I mean, this is a pretty darn good lineup in terms of position coaches specifically. Now, moving on to the defensive position coaches. This work is interesting. Mike Elston, Navarro Bowman, Chris O'Leary, and Steve Klinksdale. Elston's defensive line, Navarro Bowman, Chris... Navarro Bowman's linebackers, Chris O'Leary safeties and Steve Klingsdale, the DBs. Jake, where would you like to start on this one? Uh, this, this is actually tough because <laughs> I, you could, I mean, I, first of all, let me just say this. I love all four of these coaching hires. And when you look <laughs> at just, again, here it is pilfering again from Michigan. And I feel so bad for, for Michigan who has had to watch this transition for their entirety of their coaching staff. And I think you could say the most surprising one of these was Steve Klinksdale because it was the middle of last week where he was making it his announcement that he was going to be returning to Michigan. And then it was a few days later, I believe it was on Saturday morning last week, 
that he all of a sudden threw a curveball in reverse course and announced that he's going to be joining Jim Harbaugh <laughs> for the Chargers. And here we and here we go. You already have Jesse Minter, and now you're bringing in the secondary coach of Michigan. So it, it, here is this coalition for two guys that have worked together and. As Dan was rattling off the stats for Michigan, what they have done defensively, and once again, what this could mean for Derwin James coming, even even though I know Chris O'Leary is going to be the safeties coach, but again, here we go, just talking about that def- that DB group in general. It's going to be, it should be very much improved. Now, Chris O'Leary, obviously, him coming in with a nice resume for players that he's coached up. How about a Kyle Hamilton? Also a guy that Baltimore ended up selecting. And this, from a secondary standpoint, you know, Dan, we were talking a couple years back what this secondary coaching tree looked like, and we were actually pretty impressed with it. This may take the absolute cake in terms of what the Chargers may be building here. Um, You just look at all of these, this college talent that is now infused in it, and what that's going to mean just when it comes around to scouting time and the NFL draft time and guys that you could go out and select. And then even guys that are on the roster that you feel like that these coaches like Clingsdale and O'Leary could come in and improve. And then once again, like the Nick Hardwick situation, Navarro Bowman, who played under Jim Harbaugh, was a four-time, four-time pro bowler. His most recent coaching experience that he had was at Maryland as a defensive analyst. And now you're going to bring him in to coach the linebackers, which just like the running game, the linebacker group needed extensive improvement. Now, the crazy thing about it is, is that much like the center position, we don't even know who the Chargers starting linebackers are going to be next year. Obviously, we figured Dayon Henley is going to take one of those spots, but we don't know who's standing, who's going to be standing right next to him. But to have one of the best linebackers come in and do this, again, under... Jim Harbaugh, who Navarro Bowman played for, it was it was something that was completely unexpected, but it, you can't look at this and tell me that you don't feel like you're going to get the linebackers playing with their hairs, their head on fire. No, and uh, a couple of things, I agree with you. I, if we can get linebackers that are half as good as Navarro Bowman, like we are cooking. And what I like about this coaching staff on the defensive side is they have guys who have done different things. Like Mike Elson, we've talked about how impressive the defense was for Michigan. He was coaching there for the defensive line before coming to the Chargers, now doing the same position. He was Notre Dame for over a decade and did the defensive line there for over, I think it was 11 years. But he also did, I think he was the defensive line for nine years, coached the linebackers for a year. He also was special teams coordinator, was a recruiting coordinator, was an assistant head coach was a run game coordinator. So he brings a ton of experience. And also like I go back to this, Jake, you and I talked about the coaching staff to the front office. needing to have this collaborative approach, right? Connective tissue. Now it's going through the coaching staff as well. And you have this connective tissue where there's this collaboration that can take place where there isn't just one guy on an Island who he's the only one who has experience doing that job. You have multiple guys here who can kind of sub in, can provide some perspective and experience and maybe have some ideas for what can possibly improve or to change to where it's not just one guy in isolation. So Navarro Bowman's a linebackers coach, but you best believe there's a half a dozen guys here on the staff now that have 
coach and experience with the linebackers. So props to them for bringing this on. Chris O'Leary, you talked about. I love them bringing him in. Steve Klingsdale, again, you mentioned it. Like, I feel bad for Michigan and all the guys that Chargers have brought in. But I guess it's a business. And the show goes on, and Jim Harbaugh apparently (laughs) doesn't like hearing no. Anything else on the defensive position coaches before we get to kind of the assistants and the the specialist guys? I would assume that Mike Elston is salivating over the opportunity to work with Tuli Tulipolotu. And if you just take what he helped build in Aiden Hutchinson a couple years ago, Think about, and now again, we don't know what the final edge group is going to look like come exactly. April, yeah. but Tuli Tulipolotu, based off of what he did in his first season, I would think that Elston is just salivating to get into the room with him and co- and help coach him up. I agree. I agree. And it'll be, we talked about yesterday, different discussion for a different day. Who he's coaching at the edge position next year, whether it's Mac and or Bosa plus Tuli and or guys from the draft or free agency. I think he's excited about it. Not getting to the assistants or specialists. Uh, defensive assistant, Dylan Roney. Senior offensive assistant, Mark Tressman. Defensive quality control, Robert Muschamp. Special teams assistant coach, Chris Gold. Defensive analyst, Rick Minter. Jake, where would we start with this group? I think the the Rick Minter one was kind of just a nice surprise when they dropped the final, you know, coaching staff today. Because obviously now, again, once, once you know, now you talk about really keeping it in the family. Now you got Jesse Minter and Rick Minter <laughs> in this, and this is this is a lot uh, again of prior coaching experience getting just all of this knowledge that you have in here and, and putting it together. And now we're talking about more of the, this is the assistant coaches and the specialists here that we're now talking about Dan. So it's like, you're going down the line. This isn't, if you want to grade this in terms of draft, you know, or, or just how the depth looks, this is, this is pretty good depth that you have on your coaching staff in terms of guys who have had experience. Um, I think I would probably, I would probably say in the same breath that I was just talking about with Mike Elson, you know, working on the defensive line, I think Dylan Roney is going to be just as happy to work with, uh, with Tuli Tulipolotu in terms of how he assisted Mike Elston. Here we go. Another Michigan connection once again. Um, and what they were able to collectively help out with Aiden Hutchinson over there and turn him into the player that he was that got him selected to Detroit so high. So you, I think that's probably where you would, where it starts with me, Dan, is that defensive line because I know outside of personnel injuries, uh, you know, holes that you had at certain parts, obviously with Sebastian Joseph Day and possibly Austin, you know, gone Austin Johnson, not uh, possibly not coming back next year. You could have a gaping hole in that defensive line that you're going to need to fix. Mm-hmm. And Elston and Roney are going to have to be, that's going to be a tall task for them come whatever it is that it looks like through free agency or the draft, that's going to be a big responsibility for them to help out because the chargers have not gotten where they need to in terms of getting after the quarterback, in terms of creating pressure. They did better last year in terms of helping it stop the run. True. But in terms of getting that pressure on the quarterback, you could say, okay, there was 
certain games here and there that looked good. But I think outside of that, up front, and this, of course, is going to in turn help the secondary, but up front, if you can get that pass rush going and you can get these bodies in here that could slow down and put your opposing teams in second and long and third long situations, that's going to help the secondary tremendously. That is off the backs of what the Kansas City Chiefs just did in winning the Super Bowl. That's how they played. That's how they got through the playoffs. They put those opposing teams in second and third situations, and they dropped you know six or seven DBs because they knew that they could win with their four guys up front. So try to build that model. Baltimore did something similar in terms of how they played during the regular season and why that defense seems so threatening. So you have to build that model. It's been a long time since the Chargers have had four guys up front that could continuously win and get pressure. Let's see if they can build that back up again. Yeah, again, we talk about family ties and ties to Baltimore or Harbaugh, or in this case, also the Chargers. So two of the three guys on the staff that the Chargers have kept, the other Ryan Ficken, Robert Muschamp, defensive quality control, special teams assistant Chris Gould. Both of those guys retain their jobs. Check, check. Thankfully, they say. That's awesome. And then Dylan Roney ties to Michigan, clearly, Jim Harbaugh. Mark Tressman ties to both Jim Harbaugh and with the Ravens. And there is, I've seen some things about the Chargers. If we're looking at this like from sides, Chargers offense seems to be, at least from the coaching staff, seems to be a little bit older of a group, long of the tooth, so to speak, whereas defensive guys are like, dang, they are in it now. They are proven up-and-coming ballers from a staffing perspective. I don't know about how much I agree with that. Like, yes, I think there's more experience on the offensive side from a coaching perspective, which I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. Because, again, you're pairing that with Justin freaking Herbert, man. So, like, we're trying to find a balanced offense. It's more success that you have found with those guys when you look at their resume, despite how long they've been in the league, despite how much experience they may have. You weigh what this coaching staff, just on the offensive side of the ball, has under their belt in terms of their resume, and you weigh that against last year's. There's no argument there. Thank you. And that's what people are people are so like people are bitching about wanting a coaching staff that has proven success. Remember, Joe Lombardi had Joe Lombardi had been coaching offenses in the league for years. We're talking about success here because we all understood, Dan, that even when Joe Lombardi came in to be the offensive coordinator for two years, that there was some scrutiny behind it because everybody pointed to what he did in Detroit all those years before. And we thought that it was going to look and look different. And unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't look much different. <laughs> and, then, and then you flip it over to Kellen Moore, where the expectations rose so much higher because of what he did in Dallas. Yep. And then those expectations fell, unfortunately, short. So... I think collectively, you look across this with Greg Roman, with Shane Day, Nick Hardwick, (laughs) Mike Devlin. I mean, just continue on in terms of we're talking top five offenses that these guys have possibly been a part of at one point or not during their careers. And again, familiarity with Jim Harbaugh. Yep. There was more success that was put together with this staff historically than what the Chargers have had in previous staffs. Now, I will say, so Mark Tressman, again, I talked about him having ties to both the Ravens as well as Jim Harbaugh. 
Like, listen to some of this stuff he has in his resume. So he was a head coach for the Bears. So he's had head coaching experience. He's done stuff with CFL where they've won championships with them. Then he was the offensive coordinator for Baltimore from 2015-2016. And that team, by the way, eighth in passing. Then before that, he was with the Raiders, helped Rich Gannon get an MVP. He's then now with the Chargers. You talk about experience, again, like, there's a collective tissue here where there's collection of both young, up-and-coming, forward-thinking, innovative coaching staff hires paired with coaching staff that has experience and proven track record and leadership and a history of being coaches of different positions. And so I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, especially when you're overhauling a staff that is so many new coaching staff hires. So I don't know, like Mark Tressman obviously is one of the elder statesmen, if you will, but is the elder statesman that is, again, we're talking an assistant coach. So this isn't a head guy. He's there to help bring perspective. And again, he's part of the bench. And if that's your bench that you're bitching about, I think you're doing okay. Am I too, am I off base there? Like, I mean, we can't hit home runs and have these guys who are going to be plucked and you get comp picks. Like, that, that's just that you can't have your expectations are crazy if you're complaining about like an assistant as oh well they're 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 not young enough or they're you know retread. Like, come on. I get what everybody's saying just in terms of the way that the NFL scope has changed in terms of coaching where the game has gone since the days that Jim Harbaugh was the head coach of the 49ers. But again, you look at this. I'm sorry. I know I'm interrupting you, but like on that note, you just had Kellen Moore. That was the guy like, Oh, we're going to bring innovation. We're going to bring a new age offense. We're going to bring it up. Okay. How'd that go? The way I look at this, Dan, is that this is a mix of experience and familiarity. And familiarity is the key word there. I think if you were to create this, you know, this same type of makeshift coaching staff with guys who had not previously worked together and coached together, I think you could look at that a little bit differently. I think the familiarity is the is the thing that makes the biggest difference here as it relates to offense, because success in experience and familiarity with one another and how they're going to be able to work, that's the difference. And we and the argument that you just made about Kellen Moore. We said the same type of argument when the Chargers were doing their head coaching search. And remember, they went vast for their head coaching search. They interviewed 15 individuals, including Jim Harbaugh for that. And everybody was wondering, it's like, okay, if you're not going to get him, you know, go after Mike Vrabel, which I would have been a total fan of. But there were a lot of people that were saying, oh, let's not do the first time head coach again and Ben Johnson, who stayed in Detroit for that. But there's, there's challenges that you have with either. Because Sometimes first head first time head coaches never end up working out. Matt Nagy, who just won a Super Bowl once upon a time, was a first time head coach and didn't do so well. But then you could look at Doug Peterson, where he was at, and he had great success as a first time head coach. 
but then you have retreads and veterans that don't end up working out where they they land. It, there is pros and cons to both. In hindsight, and, and and this is February. You have to give it a chance to play out with Justin Herbert at the controls. Yep. Before you can make any predeterminations of what this is going to look like in this day and age, Jim Harbaugh, I do not believe would gush over Jim or uh, Justin Herbert the way that he has in calling him a crown jewel of the league if he was coming in expecting him to turn into Alex Smith <laughs> or turning him into Colin Kaepernick. I do not believe that at all. Yeah. The bookends of this slide here, the visual, Michigan, Dylan Roney, Michigan, Rick Minter. Again, you mentioned the family ties, Rick Minter, father of Jesse Minter oozes experience. The guy's been a head coach. He's been in college. He's been in the NFL. He's been with the Eagles. He's done all kinds of stuff. He's had an experience working with the linebackers, been a defensive coordinator, kind of does it all. And again, we're talking about an assistant. We're talking about a defensive analyst for the underbelly of his coaching staff. And again, I give praise to Dean Spanos on the macro of this, some of these guys have a lot of experience and I don't know the numbers, but I'm pretty confident that some of these guys came with a pretty hefty price tag. Without question. So when we're talking these coordinators, right? Like Jesse Minter, for example, he's making bucks. I can promise you say what you will about Greg Roman. He's making bucks. You could talk about Tressman. You could talk about Shane Day. You could talk about Navarro Bowman. You could talk about Chris O'Leary, Mike Elston. These guys who are coming from Michigan for a reason. Don't forget Ben Herbert. And by the way, Holster <laughs> Shifter himself. Yes. How much money this front office has put to this coaching staff? You have to give them praise because this just hasn't happened before. You could talk about Don Coriel's shifted a narrative overnight about a team. I don't think Marty Schottenheimer shifted it in real time. Hindsight, you realize, wow, that was a, a pick. But at the time, you didn't know that. But you're seeing these guys that are coming over that have resumes that speak for themselves. Sure, some of them may be older. Sure, some of them might be up-and-comers. But the lineage is there. And we talked about it again. You need to come from winning organizations with proven success. Ties to Jim Harbaugh. Ties to the Chargers. You can almost pull a thread through every single one of the hires the Chargers staff has made. From head coach, GM, all the way down to Nick Hardwick and assistant. Every single one. And so the communication and the shared vision that we have seen needed and have been missed. Like this seems like a staff coaching front office that is all on the same page, all cut from the same cloth, all from the same history with connections throughout. Big level theme, that I think is what gets me most excited. 
Yes, they're all successful. Yes, they've all been proven. Yes, some of them are up and coming, whatever. But it seems like it is a collection of like-minded coaches that have experience in systems together. So for you, Jake, like, what's like the overall themes that you think are the biggest takeaways of this staff? Jim Harbaugh gets what he wants. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's as simple put as that. Dan, as you said, the, I, this, I think, was a perfect situation where the front office, save for Joe Hortiz and maybe a couple others, just took a step back and just asked the simple question, Jim, who is it you want to come and build on this staff with you? And the answers are obvious. And when you look at... Al, you use Clinkscale Clink as an example in terms of totally just throwing Michigan a curveball. I don't know what was offered to him that made him ch- t- change that decision. There were some some rumblings that he was upset because he was going to be remaining in the same role at Michigan, but he ends up essentially taking the same role for Jim Harbaugh and the pros. What other weight was behind that? Getting Ben Herbert, Dan when it's been talked about at nauseum, and I know that in terms of this coaching staff, he's not necessarily a part of, but there was a reason why Jim Harbaugh was lobbying so much for a strength and conditioning coach. Like, there is a reason for that. There is a vision that he had that I'm sure in that day and a half, two days, that he was at the Chargers facility talking about this in terms of the guys that he wanted to build to assist Justin Herbert, to fix this offense, to fix this defense, there was a collective vision there. And I'm sure that, as Joe Hortiz was saying in his opening press conference as well, that they were still finalizing some things. So there has been collective collaboration in putting this squad together. Remember back in the days when Brandon Staley was first hired, how we had always heard about swings and misses, about guys that he wanted that he wasn't able to get for whatever reason, you know, Mike McDaniel being one of them, he obviously took the the head coaching position over in Miami, but there were reasons why. There was a few swings and misses that Brandon Staley was not able to get for reasons unknown to us. I think that Jim Harbaugh having the carte blanche to do whatever he wanted and the organization giving him that leniency, that's the biggest thing. And And look at the results. You just pulled a handful of head coaches from the national championship team to come over a year after winning everything to come to the pros because they believe what Jim Harbaugh and his vision is going to do. That's the lightning rod, essentially, that hiring a head coach like Jim Harbaugh does. So I would not want to say no to Jim Harbaugh because I don't know what would happen next. Well, you know what will happen next. You say no, and then he come back again. And you say yes. Like that's, yes, that's, that, that's true. <laughs> but I, you know, just like how are you going to convince me to say yes? I'm not really yes. sure. <laughs> but eventually, that no is going to turn into a yes. So again, I would like to know anybody that's ever said no to just to Jim and it Harbaugh. Stayed no, and it stayed well, no. Yeah, and it stayed no. What what was the reasoning for that? Look, uh, I think it's an exciting time. And again, like this isn't going to be an episode where, or a team where 100% of the hires are going to bode well and are going to turn out to be hits. Like the, it, I find me a coach or a staff that has gone a hundred percent or even know if it's a hundred percent. Yeah. 
There's but, a good chance that this stat that you see now is going to look different in 2025. Yeah. Let's just and be real so, about that. And you hope, and honestly, you hope it does. Both either positive, these guys get plucked because they've been balling out as a coach and now they've got promotions elsewhere, or they haven't worked out. And Jim Harbaugh said, nope, not doing that. Pivot, fix. So it's a process. But what you're seeing, the process so far, which is Jim Harbaugh higher, you see what they're looking to do. And so that's the exciting part for me, is you see the vision, you see the collection of talent and the experience and the the connective tissue. I keep going back to that. But like it's so clear. And you saw a little bit like Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers, and then you saw like the Jim Harbaugh to Joe Hortiz. And then now between those two, how much, and I guess you want to put John Harbaugh there too, between those two and John Harbaugh's Ravens, I mean, it's like 90% of the staff is those guys. The rest are Chargers, by the way. <laughs> so um, this has been a fun episode. And again, we'll get into a lot of this more, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about the staff, and we'll talk about how it impacts the players specifically. But wanted to kind of just go through the announcement today, give our perspective on some of the connections Jake, anything else we want to discuss about this? Step one of the offseason is now complete. Now you got to get the players. And I think we have, what, a month? I think like the start of the new year is about, what, like March 13th or something like that? I think it's pretty soon. The new league year when free agency kicks in. Yeah, it's about that. Two weeks until the NFL combine. Two and a half months until the NFL draft. Let's get to work. We're going to be cooking. So look forward to some fascinating and really exciting episodes, in my opinion. A lot of special guests will have some topics that uh, I think are going to generate some interest and excitement. But until then, for Jake Hefner, you can find him at Jake T. Hefner on X or Twitter. Uh, hit that like and subscribe. Myself at Dan W. Sports. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys and gals. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers Unleashed.